So there is a possibility that you finding a way to achieve that position is going to put you in a similar position to you being able to squat so that after doing that stretch, which is really what, what we're saying is just a way to change the shape of your skeleton versus gravity. Because again, that sort of position where I'm in quadruped or facing the ground, the gravity is going to allow me to get some expansion from front to back a little bit easier. So I don't get squeezed from front to back as much like I would when I was on my, if I was on my back. And then that can allow me to achieve a shape that can give me all the way into that deep hip and knee flexion. So your squat might improve, but it isn't because I had you sit back in a child's pose with your knees out to stretch your groin muscles. It wasn't a groin stretching problem. It was literally a shape change that needed to happen in your pelvis and your rib cage to allow you to get to that depth. Welcome to Reconsider. I'm Bill Hartman. This is the podcast to challenge you to ask better questions, to look beyond traditional models of thinking and arrive at better health and fitness solutions. You could actually, if you get into some of the the PNF stretching literature, I believe the shortest duration that I saw was a six second. Okay. Um, hold. Oh no. Okay. So it's been a long time since I've looked directly at the literature because it's, it's boring. It's exceptionally boring and consistently shows the same outcome. Um, but I think like, okay. So like PNF things, like they used to do like really long holds and then said that that was good. And then they said, well, wait a minute, if we hold it for six seconds or we hold it for 30 seconds, it's the same outcome. And I think like Magnuson, did a study in 96 where they did a six minute hold and compared it to a very brief hold that was just a matter of seconds and there was no difference. And then, and in fact, the apparent benefit was very, very right. And what are the, what were the consistent, what were, what are the uh, consistent findings in most of the studies? Almost without fail, um, Number one, there were small, small changes. So a matter of just a few degrees. So for, for the sake of argument, let's just say it was 10, like 10 degrees of change. All right. But this is 10 degrees of shape change. This is not joint movement. So, so this is one of those things that, that is the, you know, knife in my side, so to speak. That Right. Well, because the, the movement that they're measuring yeah. What they're measuring is joint range of motion, correct? Like, well, that's what they think they're measuring, but they're not. Yeah. So they're typically in these studies, they're they're having someone hold a position, feeling some sort of tension in a muscle, yeah. and they're checking like their how far they can touch their toes, how far they can raise their leg up when they're laying on uh, their back. Yeah, and that and that becomes that becomes the the determining factor for what is good or bad <laughs> right right which is silly because how does that how could that just looking at it without any sort of expertise in fitness or movement just seeing someone trying to touch their toes and then they can touch their toes easier or they can have they have a few more inches of motion who determined and who decided that that was good <laughs> <laughs> which is it's a great question right i don't know i don't yeah know. 
which yeah. kind of leads yeah. us back to our our questioning, having the podcast ask the questions and reconsider these things. It's like, well, who determined that this was good? Why is it good? It's like, well, stretching is helpful for back pain. It's like, okay, well, why? Because, because someone did it and yeah. it was helpful. But but then the question mark is, is like, why? And this goes for anything, not just, we, we can pick on stretching because it's like easy, but but uh, but why, why is anything perceived as being a solution? Right, because it worked in some case. Right. And then right. we try to... We try to extrapolate that to everyone else. Right. And 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 you can you can tell because the questions that I get clinically are like I give people activities to do. They have an outcome that is favorable. They are aware that the outcome is favorable because they have a reduction in symptoms. They feel the differences in excursion of movement and et cetera. Then their next question is, are there any other stretches that I should do? Yeah. And it's like, no, because everybody equates stretching with something that's favorable in regards to an outcome. Right. So this is this is one of those things where and and it's rampant in in our industries. And the same goes for any any industry. They all have their own little things. But the the low barrier to entry and as far as education is concerned, people don't question anything. And so then they just make an assumption that, okay, stretching is good. More stretching is better. This stretch has to be good because I feel it here. Uh, this is good for that. Like they just, they just say that it is. And then somebody else that doesn't question it because they don't have the capacity to question it. They don't have a filtering system. They don't have a mental model. And they say, this is good. And then they tell the next guy, this is good. And then the next thing you know, you have this, this cancerous spread of, of bad information, misinformation, misunderstanding. And now everybody says that stretching is good. And now let's right. go back in time. So what's yoga, like 3,000 years old? Yeah, it's like 3,000 BCE or something right. like that. Yeah. And, and Maybe so, even before then. Probably. It probably, yeah. Yeah, I'm, sure about that, Asian, I'm sure Asian, Indian. I'm sure that there was a caveman that that you know threw his foot up on a rock and bent forward and, and got a little hammy stretch before he had to run from a saber tooth tiger or something like that. But, um, but yeah, it it this this has been a long time coming because people were always looking for solutions. Occasionally, they'll accidentally do something that is favorable because of the perception of where people feel things they think that that is an explanation of why they are successful. So case in point, uh, you sit on the floor, you put your legs out in front of you, you bend forward and you feel like a tug on the back of your thigh or the back of your hip or wherever you might feel it. And so you have a limited scope of understanding of anatomy and you immediately go, that's my hamstring. I am stretching my hamstring. It's like, no, you feel a sensation that is emanating from those connective tissues in that area, but there's no guarantee that you're doing anything um, to the contractile element at all. Because right? you're not. Because you're not. Yeah. Exactly. Because you're not. You're not. In fact, 
it may be actually trying to shorten against your wishes because it's really uncomfortable. And that doesn't mean that that muscle is relaxing. It doesn't mean that anything's getting longer. In fact, muscles just don't, they don't, they just don't do that. They really don't. Right. So what um, we're going to do is just because the people typically watching this, we're in the podcast, by the way, the people typically <laughs> watching this within, within the first five to eight minutes usually stop watching. So Bill and I are going to talk about what stretching is actually doing to the muscle tissues toward the end of the podcast. So you can either skip through the chapters and go to the end, or you can wait around. And <laughs> well, you don't want to ruin the end information. <laughs> well, we're not, yeah, we're not going to ruin the ending. We're going to kind of skip past that. We will come back to what is actually happening when we stretch, but I think we, we should circle back to like the history of it a little bit. Yeah. We, maybe, maybe, a little, maybe a little, maybe a little, it's like yeah. the, the, the Greeks, the Greeks did some stretching. That was like, I guess there's some uh, record of that. Like that would they do that before battle. It, so it, it sort of, it sort of just makes sense, right? It's like the positions that you're going to try to get into in order to like run or throw a javelin or whatever these other things are going to do. You might want to try to like access that range of motion. Right. You know, you can't even, yeah. though you, even though you can't. So you try to just kind of hang into it or stretch into it or right. find whatever way that you can to get your arm overhead and feel a, feel a stretch uh, right. or the tension. Yes. And that is, that is discomfort by the way, like it's uncomfortable. And so we could, let's just, let's just put it into the category of uh, we're actually producing a pain that we will perceive as good, which uh, this is another thing that kind of bugs me about stuff. It's like, people think that they need to feel bad to feel good. Um, you know, which we talked to- about in one of our previous podcasts, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but it's like, it just, it just goes in, into that territory. It really, really, really bugs the bejesus out of me. Um, and, so, and so then that creates a, a, a false understanding that gets perpetuated. It's like, oh, no, you need to pull on this harder. It's like, oh, bad, the discomfort is good. It's like, well, discomfort is associated with stretching. Um, in fact, one of the um, reasons that you may be able to change the shape of your body to a greater degree is that over time, you actually create what is called stretch tolerance, which is actually an increase in your pain tolerance, right? Sure. So it does allow you to access a shape. So, so pulling on tissues is uncomfortable and it will allow you to pull on them further up to a point. So there's a, there's a point where there is an elastic element to connective tissues. And then there's a point beyond that, which is called the plastic region, which is where if you go there, the original uh, length is unrecoverable and probably not recommended in, in almost every circumstance, unless you're trying to, yeah. unless you're trying to repeatedly sprain a joint, which is there are times and places where, where that's going to occur to access a joint position. It's not recommended from a health perspective. Uh, right. So for anyone trying to understand the difference between elastic, an elastic response would be like a rubber band that I pull and it snaps back. A plastic response would be like, if I pulled hard enough on a Ziploc bag, it would start to stretch and then it would not go back once I let go. That would be like, that would be a, a good example of the difference between the two. And there is, there is a point with tension, like a, almost like a tension curve where you go past the point of where something can come back. And a lot of that time when you have like a ligament strain or you roll the outside of your ankle, you tear some ligament. Anytime you hear like an ACL, PCL, MCL, those, those tissues, when they get torn, they don't, they lose their ability to come back. And a right. lot of times they never will. Um, sometimes they actually break and they need to be fixed in some cases, 
but that's like when anytime when someone's thrown their back out, a lot of times there is some there was some over exertion strain to a ligament in their low back, and the nervous system and their their spinal cord is trying to project itself, so they get that sort of like throw you to the ground, uh, muscle contraction type of throw the back out. Right, it's a protective it's a protect a protective contraction to not expose you to the same notch. region of stress. Right. That's what people feel when, when they feel their back tighten up, so to speak, under those circumstances. But again, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it is a response to something. It is not necessarily the problem, although it does contribute to the discomfort. Yeah. And I think, so getting, so we kind of briefly touched on a lot of this comes from yoga. A lot of this comes from just from purely studying something, looking for the benefits of stretching and then finding them because that behooves the person studying that and having that hypothesis to say that stretching a muscle helps with X, Y, or Z. Of course, they're go it's going to be in their best interest to find that it does indeed do that. But what we're trying to say is that that might be true given whatever they were doing. But the reason why the result is happening and the outcome is happening might not just be because of the stretch to the muscle. It might be the position they were lying on the ground. It might've been the activities associated around them doing that one stretch. Right. And is and it, this physical shape? Yeah. And the stretching in and of itself and what is associated with it can provide you a window of opportunity to do other things. Absolutely. And it, even, even from the pain uh, perspective that you're saying, if I can, if I can move past my pain tolerance a little bit and I can get into a position that might be beneficial for me that I haven't been able to achieve before, then maybe that was, would also be a benefit. Right. And under this, under those circumstances, we would consider that a, a flexibility reserve, right? It's a, it's a region that, that it may behoove you to have access to, without the protective response. Um, again, just in case kind of a thing. So when we talk about like athletes and stretching, it's like, we don't, we don't want them to stretch in an attempt to enhance length because number one, it's not going to work anyway. Um, number two, we have to be concerned about, about relative timing as to when the stretching is taking place relative to another activity, because there are, there are negative secondary consequences associated with stretching behaviors that, that are not favorable for things like force production or power production, especially power production, because there's a timing element that's associated with that. Um, if you've ever had, you know what, I don't, I'm, I'm looking for, uh, I don't think, I think my stretch Armstrong is at, uh, at the, at the gym. I should have it's had in the, the purple room. Your, your stretch Batman. Yeah. I bet uh, I can, I can, I can throw up a video of stretchy Batman. Oh, there you go. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, it's, it's a nice little representation of, of a viscoelastic, um, substance which would show the delay in its recovery of its normal shape that's the concern when you have especially like when we talk about stretching we're typically talking about like the static stretching where you move your body into a position you hold the discomfort for a certain period of time under those circumstances you're reflecting the fluid content of the, yeah. the tissues themselves and so as you squeeze water out of them it takes a while for the water to come back into them to where they get their normal resilience back and so that's going to dampen some of the behaviors especially when you need again, a power related activity. So power is force times distance per unit time, which means there's a time constraint. So if you have to do something quickly, um, there's going to be a dampening effect because of the, 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 
um, consistency of the tissue now that you've taken some of the water out of it. So now it no longer behaves under its normal um, like stretchiness for lack of a better, better, better term. It's not going to stretch and release the, the energy like it normally would. So again, the, it dampens power outputs. Like if you were going to do a vertical jump, um, if you want to win a vertical jump contest, aggressively stretch the other guy like help him get loose, if you will, and don't do any stretching of, of your own, most likely you're going to be able to dampen some of his ability to produce a vertical jump because there's a timing element there. Right. right. Well, you've also just created, you've created like a stretchier. So when you put, when you try to put the force down into the ground, you've created more of a give to all the tissues that would try to respond. So that, right. yeah. So, so instead of, instead of, instead of capturing energy and being able to release it like a rubber band, you are now um, probably more like a rope. Yeah. Okay. That's a good way to think about it. So I think talking about stretching, you had, you had mentioned that uh, we've mentioned static stretching so far. And typically there's people's understanding of stretching is usually like passive and static stretching, dynamic stretching, ballistic stretching, uh, people might even have heard of like PNF stretching or contract, relax type of stretching. Mm -hmm. And the, the the thing that people are, anyone listening to this that's clicking on it because it's talking about stretching and they want to know more about stretching and how, why they should reconsider stretching at all has probably heard things like, you know, if you have, if something is tight, you stretch it. If something is weak, you strengthen it. And that sort of model of thinking is is not necessarily a good one because things that are tight or feel like, a lot of tension in them are actually probably pulled to their length already and taken to take like uh say like hamstrings would be a really good example of this because if you have if you think about where the hamstring uh attaches on the skeleton and if i if i move the hips forward in space i actually will increase the distance between the the attachments of the hamstring so it'd be very similar to me like putting my my shirt on stretch and then if I take that sort of shirt and I've I've moved the two bony attachments away from each other, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for me to want to pull on it even more because eventually I'm just going to rip my shirt. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't I why wouldn't I think instead of maybe trying to change the position of my hands and the orientation of my hands to sort of let the resting length come back to that tissue? And I think that's what a lot of people that's the sensation a lot of people are getting. And they associate that sensation or, or any painful sensation with the need to stretch. Well, okay. So, just a, so let's clarify where the sensation is actually coming from. Sure. That would be helpful. Because, because it, it, it helps to understand. It's not the contractile element of the muscle. So you have muscle fibers that are surrounded by, connect, like they're enclosed in connective tissue. They are attached to everything else via connective tissues. So the sensation that's being produced is almost exclusively from the connective tissues themselves. Okay. The signaling anyway, let's put it that way, right? Because we can have brain perceptions that that create sensations that don't require any anything at all. But but tightness is a really bad descriptor because it doesn't tell you the state. Of the, of the tissue itself. So if I take a muscle and I contract it and I'm pulling on the connective tissues that attach it to a bone, I will have a sense of tightness that we would typically describe. I could also have a muscle that is actually at its full length 
and pulling on the connective tissues because of that, and I will have a sense of tightness. So I have two states of, of muscle activity, but yet producing the same sensation, therefore chasing the sense of tightness and saying that, that a stretch would be a solution to it um, doesn't respect, number one, the muscle behavior and orientation, nor does it, is it uh, respect the understanding of how the connective tissues actually work to what the best of our knowledge anyway. Right. So again, chasing tightness is usually a bad idea. Right. And it's, it's sort of strange when you think about it from an outside perspective, if I'm something feels tight and then I'm, I'm moving it to a point of feeling more tightness, why would that be helpful? It's like in, in my, in my mind now, I mean, I have, well, I have, I have the curse of knowledge to kind of look past it, but thinking about it from, you know, a previous version of myself would have believed the same thing is just like these stretches are important because they're, they're turning down, uh, they're inhibiting the muscle. So you're getting this sort of what they would call like autogenic inhibition, where I stretch something long enough and then the contract, the contraction ability of that. Yeah, Sherry, Sherrington, <laughs> Sherrington's principles and things like that. Oh, Charles, I love Charles, but you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, yeah. agree. I don't agree with. Well, him. it just, it just gave, it gave some people ways to validate their use of stretching. Yes, I understand. Uh, but it's, you know, the, I'm trying to think of the other things that people typically say. It's anyone that feels tight or has starts to lose ability to move around or their mobility thinks, or they'll just say. I need to stretch. I know I need to stretch more. And I ask them, what, <laughs> yeah. what makes you say that? And a lot of times it's doctor recommended. Uh, anyone that's has back pain, it's, they'll be asked by a doctor if walk. they stretch. Like you got back yeah. pain, walk, stretch your hamstrings. Like those yeah, are like stretch your hamstrings. Or, or stretch your back even. As like, do, if you could. As if you yeah. could. Like lay on your side and, and do that sort of like, um, what do they call that? Where you, you know, the lower body rotation to get the or trunk rotation? Uh, yeah, no, they it's like a they, it has a specific name, like a not cobra, scorpion. Yeah, like a scorpion style stretch where you're just like sort of straining, just trying to get a pulling sensation through your low back yeah. as a way to yeah. But it, what what's really happening is just a continuation of what you're talking about with the lowering the pain tolerance to that area, essentially. Potentially, yeah. Because as soon as you, as soon as you get back, there's other, there's other things that there's other things that can happen. It's like you get an, you get enough tension in in the right place, and you can actually create this this temporary analgesia, right? Yeah, but it's but it's not a solution, right? It's just it's just one of those physiological effects that that takes place in certain circumstances. You could be right. doing the absolute wrong thing. Yeah, and, and a good way to think about it, so. I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but the a good mental model would be the behavior that got you into a certain situation, be it injury or lack of mobility over time or one of these situations. If that behavior still persists beyond any type of intervention that you make, you're just going to backslide. And we'll we'll have a podcast later where we talk about the reasons why you're not progressing and the reasons why you keep failing. And a lot of it is is just that. It's not really looking at what the root cause of the problem is and addressing any sort of movement behaviors or other lifestyle behaviors that have gotten you into this position to begin with. Like the, you didn't fall over the cliff until you got pushed far enough and then you fell in. 
it's it's that mindset of well i've always used to do it this way and it never hurt but now all of a sudden doing it this way hurts those are the people that have a very hard time ever reclaiming any sort of pain-free movement because the strategy that they're going to adopt after treatment is going to be the same one that got them into treatment to begin with correct correct so yeah, that's, that's I, I think that's, that's one of those battles. That's one of those battles that, that that you fight with people that that are they're going through a process to improve movement, reduce pain, whatever it may be, and then they want to continue with the activities that created the problems in the first place. Yeah, they're like, I want to get back to my sprint triathlon training, and it, but every time I run, the first mile and a half feels like my knee is going to explode. So at some point in that process. If neither the athlete uh, in question or the trainer or the clinician that's working with that person is asking any sort of question about how that person runs, then shame on everyone involved. It's it's because that needs to be the fundamental question. It isn't about like what types of stretches does this person need to do or what sort of exercises does this person need to do outside of running. Those things might be supportive and help you find the positions that you need to attain while you're running to not be pain, like not to experience pain. But a lot of times, if that's the route that you're going to take with just a bunch of esoteric exercises and stretches, just hoping you're just rolling dice and, and you're really relying on luck to, try to fix a problem that could be addressed otherwise. So the, one of the things, and, and we, we, we touched on this earlier, but probably didn't give it its full explanation like this, the stretching literature, when they're showing what they perceive as changes in range of motion, they're what they're measuring is that, is that they're measuring a shape change that like that that truly does exist, but it's not a relative motion change. So it's not it's not what we would consider joint movement. Like a, a relative joint movement would be where a joint can turn in one direction, and the opposing bone that forms that joint would turn in the opposing direction. What we're getting is they take something to the end range where there is no relative motion available, and then they push it beyond that. And that's what produces the sensation of a stretch. Now, because there's a time a, a time factor of, of a hold, because you're, you're leaching water from those tissues, then it takes time for those tissues to recover. That's what maintains what is the perception of the range of motion under those circumstances. Okay. So again, what they're measuring is again, their perception is we're, we're, we're changing a joint position. I would respectfully disagree. What, what changes joint positions is actually the muscle activity itself. If you do nothing to alter the muscle activity, then you get a temporary change in shape, but not a change in the relative position of the joint. And so this is why you like for people that do perceive a gain in, in some benefit when they, when they stretch, this is why you have to keep doing it. Like the people that complain, they come in and say, my hip flexor is always tight. I stretch and I stretch and I stretch, but they're always tight. You know why? Because you're not doing anything to influence the position of the joint itself. And so you still have the same muscle activity. They're pulling on the same connective tissues. And so you will consistently reproduce the same sensation over and over and over again. And so what you perceive the solution to be because of the sensation that you feel and, and your mental model of what you think you're doing this is why you're fit. Yeah. So it's, um, so understanding that I want to kind of circle back to something that you said in there, uh, muscle activity is dict is like dependent upon the position of the skeleton. 
yes. a position that your joints are in. So we can use we can use both to sort of assist the other. But it, in order to understand that, the mental model you kind of have to take to look past what you already believe about stretching and that you know just t uh, tension through a muscle and taking it to its length and range of motion is going to somehow change the position of the joints. It would be it would it wouldn't really be as useful for you to understand it from that perspective. But to think about like what are the other what we mentioned before in other podcasts like counterfactuals like what are the other things that are happening that you might not be taking into consideration so let's say like if i'm on my side doing a quadriceps stretch for my the front of my thigh i've actually taken my my position on the ground versus gravity and my skeleton will actually take a different shape Correct. based on the position that i'm in so with given enough time me being in that position, breathing, holding my my quadricep in a stretch, it, it might help me when I get up to do whatever motion that I wanted to do, but not necessarily because I stretched the quad, but more so I've changed the shape of my skeleton based on its position against gravity for that given amount of time. Yeah. So so let's so let's use that position, okay, as an explanation. So here's what happens. If you were to lay flat on your back, if you were if you were a big bag of water, which you are, and you lay on your back, you would flatten out against the surface and spread sideways. That would reduce your your front to back diameter. You'd get wider sideways and you'd get narrower front to back. Okay, under those circumstances, it makes it very difficult for you to turn inward. If you were to do the the old heel to butt, like you, you bend your knee, you grab your foot, you pull your heel to your butt to stretch your, your, your quadriceps muscle. In that circumstance, that, that shape of the pelvis cannot be accessed in this, in this supine laying on your back position, spread out sideways. If you lay on your side, Okay, because of gravity pushing you down, you actually expand your front to back diameter, and that shape actually promotes the ability to turn inward more effectively. Now, if you were to do that stretch and you get the shape change, it actually allows the hip to turn inward with relative motion. So your perception is, is that you gained flexibility because of the quad stretch when the reality is, is that you laid on your side, you took a breath and you got bigger front to back and then turned inward because of that had nothing to do with the fact that you were yanking and pulling on your thumb. It just so happened that you were doing that at the same time you did something favorable to acquire that position. And thus the failure of certain models. Now, because you do that, you say quad stretch, better hip position. You go, it was the quad stretch because that's the thing that I felt the most when the reality was it was a sensation that you really couldn't perceive terribly strongly and therefore you didn't even consider it. Yeah. So let's use let's use a different position just to kind of give a, another example of how shape change versus stretching of tissues is actually occurring. So if you're if you're any, if you have any sort of familiarity with yoga, and you probably will if you clicked on this and you were interested in stretching, if you are in a child's pose and you've sort of achieved a position where you're sitting back to your heels and your butts on your heels, that would be something that's similar to the bottom of a squat, for instance. So there is a possibility that you finding a way to achieve that position is going to put you in a similar position to you being able to squat. So that after doing that stretch, 
which is really what, what we're saying is just a way to change the shape of your skeleton versus gravity. Because again, that sort of position where I'm in quadruped or facing the ground, the gravity is going to allow me to get some expansion from front to back a little bit easier. So I don't get squeezed from front to back as much like I would when I was on my, if I was on my back. And then that can allow me to achieve a shape that can give me all the way into that deep hip and knee flexion. So your squat might improve, but it isn't because I had you sit back in a child's pose with your knees out to stretch your groin muscles. It wasn't a groin stretching problem. It was literally a shape change that needed to happen in your pelvis and your rib cage to allow you to get to that depth. Correct. And then the muscle activity that would be associated with that shape change. Yeah. And that's, and that's what, that's why movement patterns become important. And anytime someone talks about functional movements and squats and hinges and lunges and things like that, these are all the F word. You said the F word. We're going to have to say it uh, at some point. No, no, stop, stop, stop the podcast. Stop the podcast. (laughs) We got to take a break here. That is the most redundant concept I have ever heard. What the functional movement? It's yeah. like saying what move, other kind movement, of movement, movement is there? What <laughs> movement, other movement. kind of movement is there? Non-functional movement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh Just God. understanding that. that, that Unless, I, I, okay. Neurologic disorder society. <laughs> yes. Neurologic disorder society. All movement has an intention, whether you're aware of it or not. Okay. Which means that there's no such thing as you don't need to put the F word in front of movement. You just call it movement. It's just movement. Yeah. Leave I'm it alone. Like, I'm going to have to put like, a, like, like, no, a blinking. No, people that, throw, trigger, people, that trigger that, people that throw that, 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 uh, that qualifier in front of it are, are merely adding a word that is unnecessary. Right. It's just movement. It's well, just it's based on, you know, commercial models and the perpetuation of those models. But that was that was a really fun uh, Bill Hartman trigger moment. That we had <laughs> oh, well, Stop the I, podcast. Got list, I got a list of dirty words and that's yeah, well, that's it's one the of them. Well, any, it's the um, man, we just derailed that thing. I'm trying I'm to sorry. think. Of I ha- Dude, I had to put a stop <laughs> to it because I will so, not allow I will not allow this to be to be on the on the podcast. Well, I'm going to put that part in. It's just that we're, we'll see what you're your no, saying. To... It's, like, like, it's like people got to know these things. It's like, it's just going to like, like had I not, had I not jumped in and saved you from that? The perception what would have happened. Oh my God. Gonna... You would have perpetuated, you would have perpetuated an unnecessary uh, element of jargon that is not helpful. Jargon is useful and helpful. That is not, absolutely not. Because if I got a, a, a person with a 30 day certification in fitness that's that's talking to a client and they're expressing that, they have no idea what why they're saying it. They're just repeating it. And then it gets repeated and then people keep saying it and then it's not helpful. And then it, it creates this, this unnecessary qualifier that supposedly has meaning and it doesn't. So the, the, the uh, future, the future episode of reconsidering the F word. <laughs> well, we have to do it. If, if this is something that is jargon that people perpetuate and it's wrong, then we need to address it. And that's all I was trying to do. It's just trying to, try to tell I, it. It gave me an opportunity. Try to, tell, <laughs> try to tell the story in the, in the language that the people already know. But anyways, like talking about 
you know, being able to attain these different movement patterns, call them whatever types of movements you want. So typically you think about squat, squatting and, and lunging and hinging and reaching and pulling and all of these things that are, you know, primal patterns that people might call them. It's just, you know, whatever. Uh, you're, so it's, it's, so it's a good model. It's, it's a, it's a model that people use, be it good or bad, but what, what it, it gives, what it gives people is it gives people a goal and some type of position that, that they think they need to attain. And they're going to try to stretch their way into that position. But what all Bill kind of going back to what we were talking about, all Bill and I are trying to say is the reason why certain stretches seem to be helpful to get to the bottom of a squat or to touch your toes is not necessarily because it's definitely, I'm not even gonna say not necessarily. It is not because you are stretching the muscle and you are getting length in a muscle that's allowing the joint. Thank goodness. Think about this. Think about this. If stretching worked, right. If stretching created any measure of permanent change, what a nightmare it would be to try to balance yeah, everything out. Oh my gosh, it would be impossible. Well, we would we would eventually just turn into, I'm imagining like a Ziploc bag full of water that you just throw onto the ground. Well, that would I mean, be what we you'd all be like a boneless chicken. That's how yeah. I describe a boneless chicken, right? Yeah. It's like a boneless it's, chicken, it's, whatever. Yeah, would, whatever. There would be nothing, there would be nothing to push against. Correct. You would Correct. just flatten. Yeah. And that would be it. Yeah. Um, what a nightmare. What a nightmare. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think we've, we've kind of touched on, but we didn't really specifically say what is happening to the muscle when we stretch. Cause I, I didn't let you continue with that, that thought earlier on. In, in most, in most circumstances, it is trying to resist. So it's the opposite of what people think. Yes. Yes. Like, why would you, why do you feel, why do you feel tension? Well, because the connective tissues are are under tension. Well, what puts connective tissues under tension? Uh, that would be the muscle tissue themselves. Yeah. So you have these you have these series components. So these things that kind of go from the connective tissues go from the bone to ligaments or tendons and then into muscle, and it's sort of this continuous flow of tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Bill's trying to say is that when you stretch the contractile components in the middle, the muscle components are actually trying to resist being torn apart. And the stretch that you're feeling might actually just be bone and and ligament or tendon sort of giving way. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and again, by position, by position, not because of the stretch itself, but by position, you can actually learn how to um, reduce some of that muscle activity, right? right? But in many cases, all you have to be able to do is is make certain physical contacts with a surface, right? Produce certain types of muscle activity, increased muscle activity in a direction that will produce true relative joint ranges of motion. Yeah. And it's, you know, a lot of it is similar to the other things we talked about. It's, it's knowing the rules, first of all, and then using intentional movement in order to utilize those rules for change and not just blindly stretching everything in the hopes that you throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall will lead to something sticking. Because typically the story that you and I are going to hear is I I stretch and stretch and stretch and nothing happens. So let's, uh, 
we're a little bit all over the place, but I think we got some good stuff into this. Um, I don't uh, care. I'm going to give, I, I want to give like a closing, I'll give like a closing statement and then you can give a closing statement and we'll wrap it up. This is definitely something we'll have to expand upon later when we, when we have a podcast about reconsidering functional movement. Oh, you said it again. Well, we're going to have to, people think people crave that they're going to click on it because they see that. But anyways, so getting people to look past the concept that stretching something that hurts or that is feels tight is going to actually help it in some way. And then even if you were to do a stretch, like say we had talked about like a child's pose stretch or a frog stretch, it was just more of the example I was giving or laying on your side, stretching your quad, or even sitting on your butt, reaching forward and trying to touch your toes. All of these positions involve you laying on the ground and breathing because you have to breathe over time. And you're going to be driving movement and shape change against the ground with different relationship to gravity. And that in the end is probably what is going to be giving you that result or the outcome that you were looking for. Yeah. And on top of, yeah. Well, uh, and on top of that, the, the thing that you're getting after changing shape, giving yourself a window of opportunity, it's going to be more important how you use that window and the behaviors and the movement behaviors that got you into that problem to begin with. If you always have had tight hamstrings for the last 10 years, it probably has something to do with what you're doing and how you move that's causing that to happen. Stretching isn't bad. Okay, It just doesn't do what people think it does. And, and I think that that creates, that just perpetuates the the problem that that we're trying to solve with this discussion right it's it's it goes back to your toolbox kind of a concept it's like okay if i need to drive a nail it's like the screwdriver is not the right tool for the job it's like what am i trying to do do i need to create a flexibility reserve okay static stretching would would be useful under those circumstances right do i need to maintain the resilience of a tissue absolutely do i want to put tension through a tissue as it heals so so that the the repair is is oriented um, as the previous tissue was. So I don't promote a, a relatively permanent restriction in movement. Absolutely. All of those things become useful. But again, some of those have nothing to do with the fact that I got to put myself in a position and hold it there. It's like the, the principle is, is I need to, to move this tissue through an excursion on a regular basis, which doesn't require that, that I do prolonged holds. Okay. Again, that's always the perception of, of stretching. Like again, yoga, yoga uses a series of, of posture changes, sides, inversion, upright. Um, that effect probably has more to do with anything than trying to affect one muscle. Humans determined the concept of muscles, right? We, we said that they were separate entities. They are not, they all interact. And so what we're, we're doing is we're trying to promote shape changes. Doesn't mean that, that you don't have to avoid the sensations. It doesn't mean that it's bad, but there's a time and a place and a use for it. And it's not what people think, that's all. Reconsider is sponsored by Substance Nutrition. Go to substancenutrition.com, get your neuro coffee, better coffee, better brain, and synthesis, better protein, better body. Enter the coupon code RECON, R-E-C-O-N, and get free shipping on all of your orders.